I'm Joe, and I'm a designer. And I'm Brian, and I'm a designer. Today, we're going to be talking about the future. How can we as designers start to design a better future? Fuck yeah! (laughs) (laughs) It's always got to have the Joe Alterio (laughs) mark. Curse word? Check. (laughs) So before we get into the show, I have an important thing to share with you. So I was talking to my dad. Okay. And and he told me that my my sister-in-law, Brenda, is a big fan of the show. Oh. She listens to it. Hi, Brenda. Yeah. And uh, apparently we help her get to sleep each night. She said that she said that in the politest way possible. (laughs) She's like, that's a mark of a great show. Is it? Yeah. Oh boy. (laughs) So this one, this one's for you. That's an hour in the gut. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I'd share that. I like that. That's very good. Yeah. I I was like, at least she's listening. That's awesome. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It's one listener. It's great. (laughs) It's another number. (laughs) So we're talking about the future. Future. Why are we talking about the future, Brian? Um I have a couple of thoughts. Okay. So, uh, so we were talking a couple episodes back. We were talking about um, me being burned out and whatnot. And we were just briefly mentioned that there feels as though in society right now, we kind of feel like there is no future. Like mm. we are so inundated with the happenings of the day mm. that we kind of get overwhelmed with all this, this, you know, the world being on fire. Mm. And it, it makes me think about like our role as designers of us being able to to bring this some optimism mm. and and some levity to to life not i mean not to diminish any of those big problems mm. but we as designers are are problem solvers and we invent shit and we do cool things and in, and in many ways we kind of lead the rest of technology and and you know kind of the cultural zeitgeist yeah. in many ways yeah and it feels as though that a lot of the work that we've been doing over the last five to ten years is about selling shit. Yeah, something common theme in this show. Yep, it's twenty twenty. Maybe over the next ten years, now that we actually have the seat at the table, mm. and 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 I was actually really inspired by uh, the episode with uh, Molly and Sarah yeah. of just kind of thinking about like, yes, we do have this this seat at the table, and yes, we can start doing these like amazing things, and we can create change through design, and right. we have these tools. Right. And so I started thinking about this a little bit more just immediately after that episode, actually, and it made me think about I did this talk at Deconstruct in mm-hmm. Brighton, mm-hmm. and the theme of the conference was the future, mm. and. Couple guys got up and they talked about how uh, Minority Report mm. was like an MIT project. It was a, it was a design the the touch interface yeah. that Tom Cruise does and that. And so that was inspired by a professor at MIT. And that movie was one of the inspirations for the multi-touch interface that was in the iPhone. Right. In fact, some of the sound effects of Minority Report were the original sound <laughs> effects. Right. When you plugged it in, yeah. the old sound effect was the door effect in Minority Report. Yeah. And so it, it, like. Nowadays, in in culture and media, when we think about the future, it's kind of like this either a dystopian future or it's like the near future, right? Yeah. And again, it almost feels like we're so fixated on what's happening now that we've kind of lost sight of like tomorrow. Yeah. 
And it feels like we have, we could do something about that. Yeah. So I thought that maybe we'd talk about that on the show today and figure out what are some of those things that we could do? What are some of those problems we could solve? So I, I really like that framing. And I really like the framing of, of using kind of culture as a metric because I feel like if you go back and you go into earlier times, at least in American history, if there's sci-fi movies, even if there's kind of a dystopic element, there's also kind of a utopian element as well. Mm-hmm. You you can you know you only have to go as far as back as like the nineteen kind of sixties kind of like NASA stuff with like you know like the wonderful world of Disney like you right. know like bases on Mars and you know <laughs> a bar around Jupiter and this kind of idea that like if only we just kind of apply ourselves then we'll just kind of be able to do amazing things. Right. If you go to the movie theater these days, every if it's a movie about the future, it's a movie that is basically everything has gone to shit. Right, right. And you need time travel to go back in time to be able to fix to, it. To fix yeah. it, right, exactly. Yeah. It's it's basically, it's a it's a, uh, it's a genre of regret. Right. <laughs> and um, it, it, it feels like there is, um, you know, we talked about that, I think maybe in the first episode we ever did, about the kind of the idea of like why when climate change is looming and we may in fact need nuclear power as a as a short-term solution oh right yeah. why you would release oh the chernobyl episode. <laughs> the Chern- <laughs> a a uh a, a tv event around chernobyl it just uh-huh. seems kind of like like yes it's an interesting story an interesting historical event but like why now right it feels like that idea of like maybe cultural creators and 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 i'm lumping kind of designers into this in terms of people that are thinking about the kind of what if a little bit taking the reins and understand that they have a set of responsibilities. Not to say that you shouldn't necessarily reflect things as they are, mm-hmm. but you should also reflect things of what they could be and not be completely and totally freighted by the worst possible result. Right. 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 Like yeah. that that it is in some ways there is a level of responsibility because everyone else is looking to creative people to give them a thing to hang their hats on. Mm. And if even the creative people are saying, you're right, it's fucked, everyone go home, (laughs) Joe Schmo is not going to have a thing to hang their hat on either. Like in some ways, it is our responsibility to paint the pathway forward. Right. And if everyone has abdicated that responsibility and everything is fucking 28 days later, like, yeah, of course there's going to be a general malaise within the society. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, and you think about all the great things that we've done as a society... Like it all started with someone having a vision sure. and, and uh, you know, an idea of, of doing something that might seem impossible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I, I love teaching my, my mobile app design courses because the first on day one, I say, hey, you are going to design this impossible thing yeah. that you don't know how to do. Yeah. Right. Because I want them to be able to learn, well, how do you take that first step? Right. Right. How do you envision what the future would look like? And it's and I have to beat them, not literally, but I I have to (laughs) emotionally, emotionally beat them up um, to to really try to step back away from, you know, the iOS and Android metaphor and say, hey, you have this opportunity to design a mobile OS for yourself, for your generation. Right. What would that look like? Right. And they struggle with that. Right. It's really hard for them to see past the metaphors of today. Do you think it's because we are missing the tools to make something um, make something different and new because we're kind of trapped in these paradigms that we've made? Or, or do you think it's that this general malaise has just infected the population as a whole and we can't kind of rouse ourselves to have imaginations? Is it, is it a structural problem or is it an attitudinal problem? 
now I feel like we're doing the burned out episode again. <laughs> like I feel it's it's an an equity problem. Uh-huh. Is that people are so focused on performance yes. and doing well yep. that they can't envision anything. It's like classic Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right. Right. It's just like people are stuck on that first or second level, and right. they can't even imagine what their life would look like beyond just getting by. Right. I, you know, everyone, designers, it, it, which sounds so ridiculous when you have, like, technology pe- workers, knowledge workers, are paid so well compared to the rest of the U.S. Right. Like, you know, we're in a very fortunate industry. Sure. But for us to be still stuck at those lower levels, yep. like, you know, that that has, an I think, an impact on our creativity. I totally agree. And if, and if folks like us are already stuck in that, that sense of malaise, then the, the, the person who's basically going into a coal mine to mine coal, there's going to be not a lot of sense of kind of... They're not thinking about climate change, right. that's for sure. Right. <laughs> right. So how do you design for hope? Well, I mean, I think it starts with vision, mm-hmm. right? So I'm working at an incubator right now. Mm-hmm. So I my job is to help startups, like, come up with cool shit. Yeah. And... Um, we have one of the founders that is that's in there that um, on day one, he's like, I want to do something around climate change. Yeah. I want to make an impact. This is important. Awesome. Right. This is both meaningful to me. I think there's like money to be made and whatnot. Right. Um, but it is a really a struggle to kind of figure out how to create a business around climate change, a, right. a startup around that. Right. And so it's been a couple months I've been working with him and he's been he had a couple different ideas. Um, and like, I mean, every week I'm like. How's that climate change idea going? <laughs> right. And um, and I think that one of the things that I've observed is that he has taken this high level vision of just he wants to be able to solve a problem, sure. and he he's put it into the framework of business, right? Right of, right. of how capital works and all that. Yeah. And this feels like this is an idea that doesn't shouldn't follow that model right it's another idea of just painting a vision of a brighter future of saying we're going to solve climate change right 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 and the first step is let's just have a conversation about climate change yeah right like can we all agree that this is a problem totally. that is worth solving totally we don't know how to solve it but why don't we get a bunch of smart people together and start start taking the first steps? Yeah. It. So it does feel like the kind of the, the monetization is the kind of first step. Whereas like if you look back at like DARPA and stuff like that, right. obviously based on the middle of the military industrial complex, which has its own complexities. Mm, yeah. But but the idea about like, let's make the thing and then out of there comes fucking Tang and Velcro and shit like that. Right. <laughs> like like that's the like the yeah. idea is first and then the modernization is later. It feels yeah. like that is now flipped. Yeah. How do we reverse that? that concept and, and how do designers reverse that concept because everyone needs to pay their rent right right well I think about I think having um, ha- having vision around optimistic principles like uh-huh. I keep thinking about the Obama campaign sure um, his original one where, which was just hope yeah right? right like imagine how powerful like I keep thinking like the political candidates of today mm. that they just should recycle the hope posters, right? Because <laughs> like we need hope right now, yeah. right? Yeah. And and I just I think about uh, just being able to envision that brighter future. Yeah. Of being and starting with those types of principles, right? Is uh, a good first step. So so then how do we break out of that out of that mindset of having to constantly monetize an idea when maybe the, the thing that we need, whether it's climate change or, or, or voting or health care, doesn't necessarily need to be wedded to making money within the first quarter. Right. Like a, a little bit. I feel yeah. like I, I feel like not to have like a history lesson, but like 
Reagan and like that, the, the kind of 1980s kind of put the entire onus upon like short term capital gain. Yeah. And that really kind of undercut the idea of large infrastructural society projects because oftentimes those type of society projects uh-huh. aren't necessarily monetized right away. They're the type of things that you, you reap the benefits 20, 40, 60 years later when you have right. a, a healthy society and right. a healthy economy that grows in a way that kind of lifts up all boats. Mm-hmm. And we've kind of diverted to this kind of short-term monetization structure, which is yeah. in some ways totally driving VCs right now. Like, right. So, and hence, in some ways, is totally driving at least the tech industry. Like, how do we, how do we convince people that, to, to break out of that model? Yeah, it's I, it's I mean a great question. I don't I won't pretend that I have all the answers. Um, the Reagan and Thatcherism did bring us the Watchmen, though. Classic <laughs> literature. It's still you know, um, but uh, I mean I think that that in my mind I think we need to as as a culture a society we we need to start having a conversation about an agreed set of uh, agreed set of principles of what we want the future to look like right right so are we going to care about privacy or not right right are we right. going to care about climate change or not right and uh, today uh, and KXB they're doing a clash for climate this sure. thing and yeah. and Jenny Dirk and our mayor got on the air and they're saying that a lot of times when people are talking about things like climate change they're talking about well it's this or this right and really, the conversation should be: it's this and yes, this. and right, yeah. right. Yeah. It's always and. If we're if we're going to try to attack big problems, right, it has to be and not a not a conversation of like well, we're going to take this away and totally. I, I also think that if we're talking about really kind of this, this is in some ways kind of counterintuitive. But if we're talking about design principles that are designing for hope, mm-hmm. I think that we need to neuter the idea of innovation for innovation's sake is sexy. Right. I think. We need to run the fuck away from that. Right. I, I don't know if you watch the Hulu New York Times series. It's, oh, it's on. No. It's it's, it's uh-huh. actually great. Like everything the Times does, it's very remarkably well, well produced. The one a couple of uh, of episodes ago was basically about um, this startup in Toronto. I think it's called like Dessa, mm-hmm. and they're basically working on deep fakes. Mm. And the New York Times reporter comes up there and says, like, listen, like this is going to completely disrupt our democracy. Like, why you? And like they're like they're racing to get it done before anyone else. Right. And he's like, why are you doing it? He's like. Because we wanted to be first, and like that was like the only, that was like the only answer, right? You know what I mean? It wasn't like should we do this? It was like well, because we don't want to be, we don't want Google to do it first. We want to do it first. Right. Like that's it. Right. And like design, design as a principle of like just being in the history books and having like it's such a, like an ego based almost colonial outlook about like I'm planting my fucking flag in the sand it doesn't matter what the results are we need to denuder that argument right and that is so endemic at least to digital design these days right right Right. yeah it's like you were the first to do that you're the first to have this this app you're the first to get to 100 million users or whatever it is like this idea about almost like like competition yeah you know what I mean? It's like pitting everyone against each other, even on a, on a, on a, on a kind of a global scale of like who can fucking ruin the planet fastest. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I did it first, you bastards. Like that is that's got to go. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I, I feel like we have to start investing in things that are going to make a positive impact. Right. On it doesn't have to be the entire world, but on people and on communities. And I mean, it's it's a hallmark of user centered design. Right. Is that you're doing it. it 
it's you know you do no harm to that right. user. You're right. do, you're giving them some sort of benefit. Right. And when you're going to, if you're going to change their behavior, it should be in a positive direction, not a negative direction. Yeah. And I just I don't think that that is really being espoused in the design schools and in within the design community for younger designers yeah. of of that do no harm type of principle. They're just again I think because of that inequity, they're just hustling to get a job. Right. And they're like. Oh, fine, I'll like crank out these ads or like right. Becca was just talking about in the last one. It's just, you know, n failing to acknowledge the, uh, you know, diversity right? because they just, they're trying to just get it paid so they can pay rent. So let's talk about the hallmarks of what a utopian future would be yes. if we could design it. Okay. I'll go first. Please. A decentralized internet. Oh, Okay. Like that is for me, that's one of the first things that basically the controls of the internet are basically completely and totally decentralized. So there is no more giant platforms or mm. big players that can basically say like, yeah, sure. We're going to allow completely false political ads to be projected to millions of people. Right. That feels like right. a pretty big one. Yeah, that's a good one. And and uh, is that, would we still need net neutrality if that, if we had that? Yes. Right. Potentially if basically if, if, if I mean, I guess, uh, Implicit in that is also that internet infrastructure is public infrastructure. Ah, I got you. Right? Yeah. So that the internet becomes like utility. Mm -hmm. It becomes like gas, becomes water, becomes electricity. It's basically set, rates being set by the state. Connectivity is basically neutral and that I see. the information nodes are spread out and not they don't go through these kind of core funnels and stuff right, like that. Right, 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 yeah. That's... Obviously, there's a fight to ahead with yeah. <laughs> both um, telecoms and also large platforms, but I feel like that's one of the things that just has totally, to happen. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Um, I would say uh, ads. Yeah. Um, so, like, Google, charge me a buck. Facebook, totally. charge me two bucks. Totally. Right? I think that the ads, again, we've talked about it before, but if you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. Yeah. Right? Right. And and. I think it's somewhat unrealistic for us to say in the next few years that people are going to get off of ad-driven platforms. But um, when you think about like, you know, the hate crimes mm. and the the political misinformation and all that, that is happening on these ad platforms mm. by Google and Facebook mm. and Twitter. Mm. If we can get those companies to move away from these ad-based uh, models right. and focus on and just charge your users, have yeah. a pro plan or yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> Take my credit card. Yeah. Right. Uh, then then hopefully we can solve one of those problems. I got another one, uh, yeah. which is that it's unfortunately a, um, a idea that has fallen out of favor, but I think that um, cap and trade, I think that we actually, that has to be something that actually has to happen and probably has to happen pretty soon. Explain that a little bit more because when people say cap and trade, I'm like, uh-huh, like I was just <laughs> about to. <laughs> so cap and trade basically means that if you are a company potentially worldwide, but at least in the U.S., uh -huh. you have a certain amount of pollution that you are allowed to emit based on things like how many employees you have, what type of industry you're in. If you manage to reduce your pollution, you can basically sell those credits to someone who hasn't been able to manage it. I see. The nice thing about that is that you basically set a, a at least a national and hopefully a global cap uh -huh. for how much everyone is emitting. Uh -huh. So some can emit more because maybe they're not ready. Some can actually make money because they're actually got ahead of the curve gotcha. and it rewards innovation. Now that's the type of thing where it's actually, it's utilizing that idea of monetization and kind of short-term profits, but for good. I see. That type of, of innovation, financial innovation, fuck it, not even design innovation. Uh -huh. That's the type of stuff we need to be talking about a lot. Gotcha. So the designer's role in that would be more opportunity for innovation exactly. around this. Okay, interesting. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that makes me think of um, uh, kind of, 
continuing that thread is uh, creating B Corps yeah. instead of C Corps. Totally. So B Corp, if you're not familiar, is uh, a purpose-driven company mm. um, that usually will have it's not a non-profit, it is a for-profit company, mm. but they have it in their charter that they are going to actually do some sort of good um, uh, on a yearly basis. It has to be talked about in their, in their board meetings and annual reports and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. And then how do you um, how do you feel like designers can operate within the space of um, making sure that design is more inclusive? I feel like that's a kind of a big kind of utopian ideal that, that we talk about a lot. Like, how do we do that? And what does that kind of future utopia look like when it comes to diversity and when it comes to, to design and stuff like that? Well, I, I think that you have to acknowledge that the world is a very diverse place. And then if you are like you know a white dude like us yeah. that that you need to make sure that you are checking your own bias right. and and you know following some of the things that Becca talked about in the last episode. Yeah. Hi, this is producer Cat. Hey Cat. I have I'd like a moment in this topic. <laughs> um, uh, and I think that more what you could do is active daily dismantling of the patriarchy. I love that. No offense, guys. But, <laughs> no, no, no. None um, taken. The future does begin now. And if we want diversity, if we want all of the wonderful things that diversity brings to design and education and workspaces, then as a person who has any kind of power, one must be active and yes. one must be conscientious and constantly educating themselves mm. and constantly having these conversations that seem, seem tiresome at times. But really it's the only way forward yeah. is, is to completely like dismantle this shit totally mm -hmm. totally mm -hmm. I, and i would i would i would leap onto that and say that something that applies to not only what you were talking about but what we were talking about earlier was that it occurs to me that the malaise and kind of and, and lack of hope is is related to just being exhausted and not knowing where to not knowing where to put your efforts because it seems so overwhelming, right? Mm -hmm. And you kind of look at the news and you're like, Jesus, like there's everything to do and we can't do anything because right. I'm only one person. But if you start chunking things down, I mean, we as a society have done great things before. Yeah. And we did great things just by taking it day by day and doing the small stuff, right? So it's if it's about dismantling the patriarchy, if it's about making the small choices about climate change, if it's about the small choices about making sure diversity is included in your work, if it's about the small changes around around pushing for voting rights, like these are small things instead of turning on fucking Netflix right. and having another fucking beer, take five minutes, take a half an hour, take a fucking hour and actually start doing the things to push us forward. Because right. it's only by all of us doing small issues together every day that we're actually going to solve this. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I was thinking about um, after we finished a previous episode is, you know, because we talk about like what is a designer and what is good design. We've talked about this several times and it just it hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. It's like our, we as designers, our job is to imagine imagine something new imagine something right. different right. imagine a better future right right is that we look at problems and we say what if we did it this way yeah right yeah and i and to your point i mean i think that if we could start applying more of that yep. and and not st like stop talking about fucking design systems right, right? right. <laughs> it's like right. it's such a small dent yeah like let's like go after a challenge your coworkers and challenge your your Fuck, peers we should make a goddamn gamified app for doing good in the world <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you're right serious now. or if i, I don't was... know if i am either but it might work <laughs> 
but to like ma- make that big leap forward, yeah. right? Because yeah. nobody else in the room is going to. So yeah. everyone's worried about their other jobs, and that is your job as a designer right. is to is to just go out there and just say, you know what, guys, this is a really interesting conversation. But what if that was all wrong? Yeah. And what if this is true, or what? What if it worked like this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I was in a meeting yesterday mm. where I convinced one of our founders we should do it this way, mm. right? Mm. And he was like, no, 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 no. And I was like, yeah, this this is the right way to do it. We're mm. going to like, you know, structure it around this metaphor, blah, mm. blah, blah, blah. Mm. So he thinks about it overnight and he comes in today and he's like, I thought about it and I think you're right. And then we start riffing on that and mm. whatnot. And over the course of the conversation, I realized I was totally wrong. <laughs> and, and I was like, no, I was actually. And I, seen. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about the idea through a known metaphor. Right. And what I had to do is I had to step back for a second and say, but what if we blew everything up? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm thinking through like this specific design pattern. Right. But maybe that design pattern isn't true anymore. Yeah. So I was like, what if we blew it all up and it was this new thing right. that is really hard to describe. Right. And so I'm going to struggle with it and, right. you know, but bear with me. I'm going to draw some pictures and right. that sort of thing. Right. And at the end of the conversation, like we came out with a totally new idea that right. I mean, I think that could just be like revolutionary. That wouldn't have happened if I had stuck to the script you yeah know what i mean but i do but i also think that blowing stuff up is easy and building things are hard oh well yeah right <laughs> because like because blowing stuff up is the thing that is it's it's the fun yeah right like i'm always reminded of that totally ridiculous startup bodega do you remember that <laughs> yeah, fucking <too>. stupid thing <laughs> Rem- remind our listeners about like they basically the were like yeah. we made the vending machine right <laughs> But it's on a street. <laughs> and like it has a very, very offensive name. Yeah. Um, blowing stuff up is easy and building stuff is hard. And building stuff takes intent and time and doing the work every single day. And iteration. And right, iteration. Right. And it's not immediately satisfying and it's exhausting and there's a hundred million different bad paths. Right. And shit, designers are good at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> And but to be able to get there, you have to have that purpose or that vision, right. and that and, and being able to envision a brighter future yeah. and 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 a new way of thinking or seeing something. Yeah, yeah. Cat, any uh, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I think that. So adjacent to the topic of monetization that you guys brought up earlier. Um, that sort of diluting or sort of killing creativity and new ideas that um, one of the things that you have to do to get to new and kind of out of the box thinking or non-standard solutions is um, be able to fail. Mm. And I think there's a huge, there's a huge, like all of the things that you guys are talking about, the competition, the monetization, the, you know, get there first, be there first, make it the biggest, make it the baddest is like, it's so... um, not conducive to the failure that is required sometimes to to break the cycle to right. do something different to you know go off the beaten path right, right. absolutely right. Right. and you have to be willing to offend those in power and say nope we're not doing it like this anymore we're doing it like some <laughs> exactly. other way get out of the room <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and a lot of other people have to be able to kind of go down that path so if you have again like if you have power if you have influence make it a trend make it okay make yeah. failure the sort of thing to strive after because if you can affect, you know, if you can get to enough people and be like, yeah, failure is, you know, 
as a part of an iteration process can be fun and cool and it's just part of the process instead of like you know i should hang my hat up and go home now right because i failed and and if you're so fearful of failure you're never going to do anything weird or outside of those those rails which i think that we as designers have become a little too reliant on that's right that's right strap on your helmets it's going to be a long one Thanks to Katlea, our producer uh, here in Cloud Studios. You can hear all of our episodes at designer.fm. Yeah, and if you want to uh, email us about anything at all, you can email us at designer at designer.fm. Thank you so much. Like, subscribe, give us love. Thanks, y'all. Good night, Brenda. Give us some CTAs for the future. I, I, I can run with that. I just okay. said CTA. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just said CTA. Um. <laughs> Don't tell my boss. So wait. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just said. <laughs> Hi, this is producer Kat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's, a, that's an Easter egg after the episode. So. <laughs> So did you did you come up with something to do an intro, or do I have to do one of my short in- intros? Uh, yeah, you you do yours. Okay. <laughs> I'm the you're worst riv- at doing the intro. You're riveting intro. I know. <laughs> <laughs>